Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, as always, for being here. And uh, yeah, we've got some more earnings news to talk about. We've got some more inflation news to talk about. We're going to be covering the stocks that we were looking at this past week for week 31 of our investing challenge. That is available over there on Facebook at uh, Let It Grow Investing, where you can vote on what stock of the week that we actually talk about on the podcast. And then we go ahead and buy it the following Monday. So uh, I guess with that being said, we can uh, take a look at the stocks that we were looking at for this past week. And just kind of, kind of a, a quick recap as to why we were looking at these why we were uh, a little skeptical about some different tech names and why I might be looking at some tech names this week. So uh, first up for, for week 31, we were looking at uh, AbbVie, uh, the, the healthcare uh, pharmaceutical company, uh, ABBV. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is a, a strong pick, strong dividend, uh, a little bit of failing revenue on uh, some patent expiration, some different things that were going on there. But uh, a, a solid company, and I really like the healthcare utilities. Uh, you know, some of these different plays right now, when it seemed like technology was really getting too far uh, on the front of its skis, if you will. So I was looking for some other ways to take advantage uh, of the market. Some of the the things that hadn't really run yet, and uh, healthcare was one of those uh, those trends right now that I thought was going to be uh, a solid pick. So that's why I went ahead with AbbVie. Uh, number two was AutoZone. Uh, ticker is AZO, and uh, again with uh, with car prices being through the roof, uh, people worried about uh, recession fears and and just really penny pinching. Uh, you know that that dollar doesn't stretch as far when uh, you know groceries have gone up. Uh, I don't know seven eight percent over the past couple of years, probably more than that. Um, but yeah, we're seeing our our dollar not stretch as far, so maybe we're not buying a new car. Maybe you know the work from home trend. Uh, we're not so concerned about having a, uh, you know, a new fuel efficient car, uh, if we're just going to be sitting at the home office. So, uh, I was thinking maybe we, we keep those, uh, those older cars on the road a little bit longer. We look to, uh, a company like AutoZone to, to keep those, those parts that we need, uh, in stock and on hand so that we can, uh, you know, really keep those, uh, those old clunkers on the road just a, a couple miles more. Right. So that was, uh, that was thought number two, uh, number three. Uh, was Humana, uh, healthcare insurance provider, uh, ticker is HUM. Uh, one of the reasons here with Humana and United Health was the fact that uh, they both came out and said that they were expecting higher than uh, previously predicted costs with people looking to get uh, elective surgeries or surgeries that they put off during the pandemic. Uh, they were looking to get those things fixed now. So we uh, we saw these stocks sell off on higher than expected uh, costs for these businesses. But then both businesses came out and actually had a surprise to the upside. They said, oh, our quarters were actually pretty good. And hey, guess what? Next quarter's looking good too. So uh, we were trying to play that trend of uh, a stock that had been traded down, but uh, actually then guided higher. So again, I think they were kind of sandbagging us. Yes, these costs might have been a little bit more. Yes, they might have had some, some people coming back in. 
but uh, it looks like they are going to be able to manage it. United Health had kind of already rallied. I was able to get in on that one. That is a uh, a stock that I hold in my portfolio. I don't think I own any Humana. Uh, I might have something tucked somewhere, but uh, it is not one that is a core position for me. Where United Health is the one that I kind of hitched my my wagon to. Uh, so uh, I thought that Humana could be a good stock for a turnaround. Uh, number four was going to be Exxon Mobil. Uh, again, the uh, a lot of different fears out there for. Uh, you know, a possible recession, people thinking that uh, we're, we're not going to be building as much, things have kind of slowed down. Um, you know, now we're starting to see gas prices rise back up, which is going to be a good sign for ExxonMobil. If we start getting some of these rate cuts that the, uh, the Fed has promised us, uh, you know, maybe we pause, uh, you know, for the rest of the year, maybe we get in one more rate hike, but eventually we're going to be coming back down, probably spring of 24, maybe into the summer of 24 at this point. And uh, I believe that, uh, you know, that's going to have some more growth out there. We're going to see some more building. We're going to see some more activity, more construction, a lot of things that are going to be taking uh, oil and gas to run. So I thought that uh, ExxonMobil could be a good turnaround as well. So uh, uh, number four was XOM. Number five was going to be Charles Schwab. Uh, again, with the uh, the banking problems and the uh, collapse of uh, Signature and Sig uh, Silicon Valley Bank, a lot of that money in the investing area was uh, kind of getting pulled out of these stocks or pulled out, pulled out of these companies rather. And uh, I guess the stocks as well now that I say it. But um, things were actually looked pretty good for Charles Schwab. They, they had some uh, lag on the investment banking side, but uh, overall their their business is still strong. They, they had some more money coming into them than previously thought. So this one was definitely oversold. Uh, this is one that I was able to take advantage of in my IRA. And uh, I believe I'm up about 20, 23%, something like that on Charles Schwab in just a, a short matter of time here, probably a month and a half. But uh, I still think that this business has some room to run, right? If you look at the 52-week range, we're probably uh, right in the middle, right? The low was 45 back in March. Uh, I think I got in somewhere in the, the low 50s and we are sitting at 65.96, but the high back in January was 86. So this one was cut in half simply from January to March. And uh, I really think that this one can kind of get back to, to some of these previous highs as the market rebounds, as people get back into investment banking, advising uh, some of the different businesses that they offer. We have a price target of $73.41 on the stock. So about 11% of upside. I think about 1.5% of dividend here. So there is some more upside. Uh, I do like some of the rebound in the banks here. I know with some of the reports that were coming out recently was that money was still getting pulled out of a lot of these banks. And uh, previously, everyone thought it was going to be the mid-sized banks. But now we're seeing a lot of uh, money coming out of the large banks. So I'm not too sure where that's going, if that's going back into investments, which is quite possible at this point, as we've seen the market really rally. People are pulling their money out of Bank of America. They're throwing it into their investment portfolio uh, to really take advantage of some of this run in the market. That's a that's one possibility. Um, so uh, definitely we're seeing more, more and more people uh, doing a lot of spending on their, their Visa, their MasterCard. So some of that money could be coming out and, and doing things like that. 
uh, going on those trips that we kind of put off, things things of that nature. But uh, I still think that Charles Schwab has a uh, a good ramp from here. They're they're in a fair valuation at 19 times uh, PE, and uh, that was uh, that was number five for the week, right? So. Uh, that, that quick recap again was, uh, AbbVie, AutoZone, Humana, ExxonMobil, and Charles Schwab. We voted in the group and you guys picked ExxonMobil, which I am comfortable with, right? That is definitely a stock that, uh, I think has some room to run. We've got a solid dividend on it. The dividend is sitting at 3.4%. Uh, the PE is at a pretty low at 8.4, uh, analyst research on ExxonMobil, uh, we've got that three and a half percent dividend, and we've got about nineteen point six percent of upside. So uh, about twenty three, I call it twenty three percent of upside when you include that dividend. Uh, that sounds good to me, especially on a uh, a dividend aristocrat uh, or at least a, a dividend king. When it, when you're looking at Exxon Mobil, they are certainly one that is going to pay you uh, that that healthy dividend to hold on to this stock. Plus, we're getting. Uh, getting it at a decent price to where we can actually see some price target upside uh, from here. I think in the cycle, uh, the fact that things have really, uh, you know, kind of slowed down on the building. And I think we're going to see things start kind of ramping back up when it comes to those, uh, those rate cuts that we're kind of predicting for early 2024. So that's what I got there. I will be buying ExxonMobil on Monday around lunchtime. I let some of that volatility shake out in the morning. Let some of the uh, you know the different trends that are going on just settle, just settle a little bit, so I feel a little bit more comfortable about my uh, my purchase price. And uh, I, I set a reminder every Monday for noon. That's when I normally go ahead and purchase. Uh, I've missed it a couple times. I get in the middle of something and and don't have time to uh, to log on to Webull. I do have a link in the description for Webull. If you're looking to get started and you want to buy fractional shares, uh, you can use my link and then you can buy as little as $5 of any stock, which uh, is very helpful on a, a company like AutoZone. Uh, AutoZone is at, uh, what, 2400 2500 something like that. And uh, it makes it really hard to buy single shares of that name in order to... Uh, uh, satisfy some of the requirements of some of the different brokerages. I know on E-Trade, uh, right now, you still have to buy full shares. Uh, maybe when it changes over to the Morgan Stanley platform, maybe you can buy fractional shares then. But at this moment, I, I can't do that. So uh, I am definitely grateful for being able to use Webull and uh, definitely would appreciate you using my link to get started. It is, uh, it's free to get started. You definitely get some good... Uh, offers out there for simply starting an account and putting in as little as a dollar get uh i think it's eight fractional shares right now for simply just just starting an account uh and i also kind of get a kickback from that as well I get a couple shares myself so um that is definitely a, a solid option out there but now going forward right we we definitely uh have seen a fair amount of changes this week thursday felt like the market was going to absolutely collapse I mean, I'm I'm looking at some names and just like, man, what what happened? And uh, it, it really overall, it pretty much gave it all away and and came right back on Friday. So what happened there? Uh, well, one of the things that we were looking at uh, on Friday was one of the, uh, the the Fed's key inflation rates, and that fell to the lowest annual level in nearly two years. Uh, I'm reading this article on CNBC. Uh, the inflation gauge that the Fed follows closely rose 4.1% from a year ago, the lowest annual increase since September of 21. 
The uh, so-called core PCE increased only two-tenths of a percent on the month as goods prices fell while services costs rose. Uh, consumers continue to spend with expenditures up uh, half a percent on the month, while income increased a bit slower than expected. Uh, the employment cost index, another key Fed gauge, rose 1% during the second quarter, slightly less than expected. So it looks like these inflation numbers are kind of coming back in uh, in line with where we want them to go. Uh, could that mean that uh, the, the Fed might not raise again? That, it certainly could if these numbers kind of keep coming back down uh, with the lagging effect of all these other interest rate hikes that we have done in the past. And now, you know, we had the other one uh earlier this week. So we're, we're definitely looking to see what these numbers mean going forward. But the fact that they are going in the direction that the Fed wants them to go might mean that we get a slowdown, might mean that we get a pause. Uh, it's certainly good that these numbers are not increasing still. So that is definitely a positive signs for the market. The market really reacted very well. Uh, and again, I want to point out that uh, this, the index that really rose from this was the NASDAQ, which makes sense, right? We we normally think of higher rates affecting NASDAQ stocks. Uh, the Dow went up half a percent on Friday. The S&P went up, uh, call it 1% on Friday, 0.99. And the, the NASDAQ went up 1.9% on Friday alone. So the, the fact that uh, we had these interest rate or the, the PCE was showing that inflation wasn't as high uh, was coming down lowest level since uh, September of 21. We we see the Nasdaq really rally off of that news. So that is uh, certainly something that we have to uh, keep our eye on. Really watching these inflation numbers to know what sector is really going to be affected by this. And when I am looking at uh, at my portfolio here, what what really rocketed higher this week? Um, well, maybe just on Friday. The the way I'm looking at it, we had Lucid up. Eight and a half percent. We had Arc K up five and a half percent. Alibaba, the Chinese stocks have been on a absolute tear. Uh, they were up five point three percent on Friday. Baidu up five percent. Uh, let me flip over to my uh, my individual brokerage here because I know we had some bigger winners than that. Uh, Neo, uh, another Chinese stock, up eleven point three percent, and I believe it was up another three percent after hours. Uh, 1.76% after hours, up to $15. Now, this thing, when you look at the month, man, this, this stock has had an absolute tear, and it's been kind of quiet out there. They started the month down around $10, and now we're up uh, to about $15. They have seen just uh, double-digit days for uh, the, the best part of this past week. We were on the 20th. We were at $10.30. And now we're we're sitting at fifteen, only about uh, ten days later. So that is a, a massive move for Neo. Uh, we've had a lot of commentary out of China that things were doing much better than expected. That uh, a lot of different things were trending in the right direction after uh, some some different news came out of the uh, the, the China uh, government. And uh, they also had uh, a boost in Xpeng, which. Uh, was VW purchasing about a 5% stake in Xpeng, which is also sending a lot of these uh, other EV stocks higher. There's a lot of pin action from VW's purchase and uh, the other Chinese uh, EV names. So uh, it says that uh, NEO stocks rally toward fresh highs to extend the previous session's big gains. 
We've got uh, Neo's help. Uh, Neo helps lead strong China stock rally amid upbeat economic commentary, while Alibaba shares also get a lift. So there's a, a lot of uh, pin action on EVs and the Chinese uh, stocks uh, to bring that whole market up. So that is a, a massive news here for for Neo stockholders. This one has been painful for me, but it looks like things are finally trending in the right direction. We got a lot of momentum behind this name. Uh, Palantir up 10.2% on Friday alone. This is a, uh, a massive move for, for Palantir. And uh, I'll kind of go over what, what's going on in, uh, in Palantir right now. So Wedbush actually came out and uh, they upped their price target to $25. And uh, we're currently sitting at $17.81. So there is a lot of upside here as far as what Wedbush is seeing. And uh, it, it goes back to AI, right? It says their expertise in AI helps to position them for a significant market share and what could be an $800 billion total addressable market. Uh, they have a built-in AI fortress that is unmatched and poised to be a major player in the space. They're also going to be profitable this year, right? We have not seen that yet out of Palantir. It, it kind of looked like a great company that had no direction when you look at it uh, a year ago. They had great, great products, but they weren't so focused on the business. Now, that has completely changed, and everyone thinks that this one is going to just strike gold here going forward. Uh, this is the one I thought was a uh, uh, 3% after hours. So 10.2% up on the day and then 3.37% up after hours. So uh, massive gains here for, for Palantir, uh, all based on AI and the fact that they're going to be profitable sooner than expected. So uh, when you're when you're looking at this one, you're still going to see a massive amount of downside on this name, about 26.2%. But I don't think that these price targets can keep up with where this stock is going. So like I said, Wedbush came out at 25. But uh, none of the other price targets are even remotely close. Uh, back in June, Bank of America said, hey, it's a buy, but only at $18. But uh, at the time, back in June, let's see what the chart actually says to where Palantir was. If we look at a three-month, uh, back in June, uh, that's May. We were sitting around fourteen dollars, so eighteen looked like a like a you know a solid ramp up from there. But uh, now we're sitting at eighteen, just a, a month later. So um, yeah, we we've still got a lot of room to run on Palantir, in my humble opinion. Not investing advice, just uh, my opinion. So uh, that is definitely nice to see out of them. We've also got earnings out of Meta, uh, parent company of Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. And man, this one, man, it, it really took off. It really got a lot of notice here this week as uh, things were just really ramping up for Meadow. They, they've had a massive year, massive turnaround. And uh, if you look back, man, this one was just hated, absolutely hated back in November timeframe. We were sitting at $93. Now we're sitting at $325 with just a beautiful chart upwards. Uh, so I, I'm definitely looking to see where this one goes from here but really what happened right they well they had 11% growth in revenue in the quarter uh but the thing that really stood out was their massive guide higher uh for quarter 3 it's looking like a 15 they're guiding for 15 to 24% growth in overall revenue for the quarter and uh people are starting to price that in 
Uh, their reels business is doing phenomenal. The the ads and monetization are just kind of keep churning along. Uh, you know, Meta and Google really have the uh, the bulls share of that uh, of that space, right? They really just own a lot of that advertising. Uh, so that is still going to be a driver for them. The the metaverse and VR has really trimmed down, but it doesn't really seem like that is the direction that uh, is really the focus right now. And more people are really concerned with uh, the growth of their their high earning business, uh, as well as the fact that they have uh, 3.8 billion people that use Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp monthly. That is 48.5% of the world's population that uses one of these products at least once a month. So that is uh, absolutely massive. And uh, I, I think probably one of the best ways to get exposure for your business or for your company or for your, your project or whatever you're doing, uh, it's still the leader in that space. So definitely uh, a, a driver of uh, further growth here as well. Um, we had Enphase, man, this one, this one hurts. Enphase went and missed. They missed the quarter. They lowered their guidance. And uh, man, it, it's definitely painful. There has been a, a pretty big slowdown in residential solar. Uh, that's kind of where they're pointing the finger at, that uh, things have really slowed down in that segment. I'm not too sure if people are uh, you know just busy right now, getting back out there, uh, doing the travel, and, and not really looking to spend the money. Or maybe they're just penny pinching and not spending the money on solar. Hey, we'll just use the electrical grid and and not worry about updating our homes right now. Uh, that could be, or they're not borrowing money to go ahead and, and pay for these things, or, or they're just looking to spend money elsewhere. But uh, man, this one really got traded down sharply on Friday after uh, reporting on Thursday. And uh, when we're looking at a five-day chart, this one this one hurts. We were at uh, 179.50 on the 26th. We opened on where are we the twenty eighth. We're at one hundred and forty dollars, so close to a forty dollar drop on Enphase. And uh, unfortunately, I, I missed this one. I, I tried to buy some. Um, I think I had it uh, set for one forty five or something like that. But um, I think I set it when I saw the pre-market at around 140 and then I believe it opened at like 146 and I just missed it so then I tried to move up and and raise my uh my limit order to low 150s but it kind of kind of recovered it recovered very fast uh so it's sitting at 154 right now I still have some limit orders in the uh the upper 140s and if it gets back down there, I will be buying some more. Uh, I'm still bullish on this one. A couple of people did lower their price targets and uh, said that it is a market perform, not an outperform, not a screaming buy. But uh, I'm I'm still bullish on Enphase. I'm still clinging on to these these small small gains at this point. But uh, I do believe that this is a a strong company going forward. I I got to imagine some of this is cyclical, whether or not people. We're really looking to add on to their solar when they were, you know, trapped at home or, you know, with the tax credits kind of fizzling out and, and people really looking to the ones that were uh, really looking to get in on that tax credit may be already done. I, I, I'm thinking that uh, 
we're going to see this one kind of rebound as uh, some of that uh, demand kind of comes back with some of these different trends that are maybe just out of favor right now. So I'm thinking maybe it's a good time to load up, uh, buy a couple more shares and, and really invest in this one for the long term. We've definitely got a, uh, an energy problem that is out there. There's not going to be enough electrical for everyone. If everyone's running off of uh, EV power vehicles and everything else, so I'm thinking that it could be a good purchase going forward and one that I am willing to uh, to add to here. So that's uh, that's what's up with Enphase. They are also uh, authorized a $1 billion stock buyback, which I think is set to end by the year 2026. So they're probably going to be in here buying with us, uh, especially at some of these oversold levels. And uh, let me see if there's any insider activity on Enphase with some of these uh, these price drawdowns. Um, looks like a lot of different options, but no, uh, the last purchase was back in May for $550,000, million back in April, uh, $4.6 million back in April. The same same person, same director buying you know $11.9 million of stock. That uh, must be a a nice April for them. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got there on Enphase. Ford, uh, they came out and uh, said, hey, we expect higher losses from EVs for 2023. They were previously predicting $3 billion of losses in the EV segment. And now they're saying their earnings before interest and taxes is going to be down $4.5 billion on EVs. So that was a uh, uh, kind of a stock sinker uh, this week for Ford. And uh, they're also pushing back to production. They were trying to get to 600,000 uh, EVs in 2023, and now they are pushing that back to 2024. So this one, um, man, the, the EV thing for Ford is still very difficult. They were lowering the price on the Lightning uh, in order to get more of them out the door. Uh, they had made them, but they weren't selling. Uh, so that has definitely been painful. Uh, this one did trade down on this news. We were sitting right around $14. Now we're sitting at uh, $13.24. Uh, so it has traded down on on these fears. Um, man, I, I don't know that this is a, a something that I am rushing into. I think we got a long term here for this one to kind of trade sideways until they show us something with some positivity, right? They already lowered the EV uh, revenue for 23. Now it's lowered again. Uh, it doesn't look like things are really, you know, trending in the right direction for their margin on EVs. So they're losing money every time they're making one. And man, it, it just seems like a, a stock that should be doing well, a company that should be doing well. But uh, the, the things in EV really are just not uh, working quick enough for them, in my opinion. So I think if you want to buy this one, this is not something you need to rush into. I, I think until we get some kind of decent news on their sales, on their production, on revenues, on their earnings, I, I think this one trades sideways or down for a while until we get some some positivity out of the company. So um, not saying not to buy it, but uh, I would tiptoe in if you're looking to cash in on this 4.3% dividend here. Is there any upside according to the analysts? Um, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, about 15% of upside. So 
man, I, I don't know. This one is definitely tricky. Some people are saying this one uh, has got some some room to run. Bank of America saying, hey, it's a buy. Uh, price target 23. Goldman saying hold and price target for 14. So uh, you listen to those two banks and those two advisors and you're, you're worlds apart. One is flat and one has... Uh, you know, about 73% of upside. So it's, it's hard to call based on what the, the, what the analysts are saying, but I, I definitely think that this one has a pause here and we're, we're not getting out of this trade trading channel for a while. So, uh, just take that with a grain of salt before you go rushing in when you see uh, a stock that you think might be oversold. One more, uh, lamb research, uh, LRCX. We are definitely seeing a massive gain for for Lamb Research and for some other chip names, and uh, that that definitely makes sense with what's going on out there. And uh, yeah, PE sitting at twenty one, cheaper than a lot of the other chip names. Quarterly dividend around one percent. Uh, let's take a look here. Oh, there is an article out from Dow Jones. That is one of the ones I was looking at when I was doing some research here. Uh, it's saying that uh, actually, it's uh, from Barrons, I believe. Uh, memory stocks are on a tear despite disappointing earnings from Seagate. Uh, multiple factors are at play, but the key is generative AI. Big, big surprise there, right? Uh, Seagate, STX, and Western Digital WDC, both big makers of disk drives were sharply higher. While Micron, MU, uh, they manufacture DRAM and NAND. Memory chips was likewise taking off. Seagate was up 8.5%. Western was up 7.5%. Micron, 6% higher. And Lamb Research, maker of uh, semiconductors, uh, semiconductor manufacturing equipment, gained 9.3%. Uh, so Micron uh, re reflects some upbeat commentary on the memory market over the past few days. Uh, Samsung and SK uh, said that uh, the two, their two primary rivals in memory chips, uh, they were reporting second quarter results. Samsung made several comments that the street sees as bullish for Micron. Uh, so the Korean electronics company said it is reducing planned capacity additions, in particular to Nandi, which has positive implications for memory chip pricing. Uh, Samsung also said that uh, overall demand for data center related memory was weak in the latest quarter. Uh, demand is ratcheting up for high bandwidth DRAM uh, used by the cloud that will be used in AI and cloud computing. Uh, Samsung was saying that the uh, demand should gradually recover in 2023 second half with inventory adjustments uh, by customers likely near completion, which is going to be a key uh, piece to this puzzle. The fact that uh, all those inventory gluts that we had are getting back in line, right? We don't have all these chips out there. Uh, things are actually kind of where they need to be. And uh, we're, we're really seeing the end of that inventory glut that we were so worried about in 2022. Uh, so we, we've definitely got some, some things that are working here uh, for a lot of these companies. The fact that uh, Micron shares, are, they're getting a boost from reduced NAND production at other companies and also growing demand for AI-related DRAM. Uh, Western Digital, uh, they produce NAND flash memory chips uh, in addition to disk drives. Uh, they're also going to be benefiting from the same trends. Uh, Seagate. Their move is a little bit harder to uh, to rationalize here, right? The, the June quarter uh, that they closed on Wednesday, uh, their financial results were both uh, uh, below the street estimates on uh, uh, revenue and EPS, 
uh, as well as their guidance going forward. So that is definitely something that is uh, kind of confusing, right? They uh, missed their financials, they got it down, and somehow they're up. Uh, I want to kind of point this out in the way that uh, if we're buying an ETF, something like the SMH, you are probably buying uh, some names that don't work, right? Uh, Seagate is probably one of them. They are kind of uh, taking some gains where they don't necessarily need to be because people are buying the SMH. Uh, you know, they're buying up uh, the stocks, so anything that's related to AI. Uh, so if they're buying one of those ETFs, they're buying NVIDIA, they're buying AMD, they're buying uh, other names like Seagate that might not work. So sometimes it's, uh, it's good to pick the names of an ETF that really are in the sweet spot and maybe not go after some of the smaller names that, uh, that don't work for you. Maybe not even smaller names, but the names that don't work for that, uh, that particular market or cycle and uh, really focus on the ones that you are really bullish on long term. Uh, because as we know, if we're buying an ETF that uh, that you know props up uh, Nvidia, AMD, it's also going to pull up these other names in the index or in the ETF that don't don't really meet the the goals where we want to take our portfolio. So uh, that is just something to uh, really kind of tap on the fact that uh, single stock exposure sometimes might be a little bit riskier, but might make more sense. Uh, so that's what I've got there. There's a uh, so some other news with uh, with chips that really make sense right now. I'm, I'm definitely bullish on Lamb Research uh, uh, and Broadcom and some of these other names that we're talking about. But uh, really be uh, particular as to what you are buying and uh, why you are looking to buy an ETF rather than uh, simply buying the, the names that really stand out and that really work for you in this market. Uh, but that is about all the earnings news that I have for you right now. We're going to take a quick break. I will come right back and we're going to talk about the investing challenge for week 32. So stick around. All right, guys, welcome back. And um, yeah, if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do so that so that you do not miss any future episodes of the show. Uh, and also, if you could go ahead and share the podcast to help us grow uh, organically, that would mean the world to me as well. Uh, so now, uh, rolling forward, we were on week 32 already, and we're looking for what stocks to buy to add to our investing challenge portfolio. Uh, that is a Webull portfolio. That way we can add uh, $200 every week. I'm adding that of my own money uh, to really show you the, uh, the the pros, I guess, and the cons of, of adding uh, to a portfolio weekly, right? We're, we're looking to add about $10,400 each year into this portfolio. And uh, we really want to see where these uh, these gains can take us. We spent a lot of time in the red in 22. Uh, most portfolios did. You know, that's no surprise. It has definitely been uh, a painful experience out there if you started investing in late 21 uh, or into 22 and you see your, your money vanish. But uh, uh, we're, we're back into solid green territory on this portfolio, and hopefully that can continue with one of these five names. So first up was going to be Next Era Energy. I added this one to my IRA uh, just this week with uh, some of the different things that were going on. Uh, I definitely think that uh, that NEE could be a, a solid stock for us going forward. I just had an article pulled up, and now I can't uh, find my, my link here. But uh, let, let me go ahead and pull that one back up. Might have been on my phone. Um, this one 
it is definitely a stock that has seen a lot, a lot of growth that uh, I definitely think is going to to continue, right? We, we've got uh, solid uh, earnings. Uh, a lot of these numbers have continued to run higher. Uh, here we go. I know I got it. Uh, definitely a company that uh, is, is in the right spot as uh, people are looking for more renewable energy, more demand on the electrical grid, and uh, really just a company that makes sense going forward. The, the growth has been has been incredible. The dividends have been solid. They've been looking to upgrade those uh, over the, the course of time here. And uh, their EPS kind of keeps growing as well. So uh, their their price should eventually follow this. Uh, we've got uh, their EPS growth 30% per year over three years. Uh, we've got uh, margins that have kind of continued to go up as well. Their uh, earnings before interest and taxes margins are up from 12% to 35% and revenue is growing. Uh, that dividend is solid. The The PE is low. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be buying into uh, a safer utility stock that still has a lot of ties to growth here. And uh, it's one that really hasn't just you know taken off out of the park yet. So I, I think that this could be a solid pickup uh, going forward for us. It's trading near the bottom of a 52-week range, closer to uh, $73. The high for the year was back last August at 91. Uh, PEs at 18, uh, quarterly dividends at two and a half percent, and a lot of reasons that I like NextEra Energy as that uh, renewable resource uh, utility company that is definitely focused on growth. So I know we've added this one uh, in the past. We've definitely looked at it a few times, but it's one that I still believe to be a solid value in uh, today's market. So that is going to be number one. Uh, number two, we're, we're going to roll right into one that we already talked about. So I'll kind of keep it short on this one. Uh, that name is Palantir, P-L-T-R. Uh, they are going to be a leader in AI. Uh, they are getting to that path of profitability. They work with a lot of government uh, entities, three-letter uh, three uh, government organizations. And uh, they, they've got a lot of different products that are going well for them. A lot of people are thinking that uh, this one could be overvalued right now, but uh, we, we're seeing that uh, that call from Wedbush at uh, twenty-five dollars. Uh, a lot of people saying that they do have this uh, this massive fortress around AI built into their company, and uh, one that I have been in for quite some time. And I'm getting back to where the where I'm almost even on this one. So, uh, could it be a good time to to add some more Palantir to our portfolio? Uh, I think it could be right. We've definitely got some some momentum behind the name. We've definitely got the, the trend being our friend and the way that AI is uh, is working for them. And uh, I th I think once we see some profitability on this name, that we're definitely going to see this one rally higher. Uh, so that is number two for week thirty two. PLTR Palantir. Number three, I'm looking at Visa uh, for a lot of those reasons that the. Uh, the consumer is still strong. We're still spending. We're still getting out there. We're doing a lot of the things that we uh, that we were holding off on. PE sitting at twenty nine point seven uh, quarterly dividend about three quarters of a percent. Margins are fantastic between Visa and Mastercard. I believe they own about eighty seven percent of the market uh, for credit payments. We've also got uh, average price target of two eighty two. We're sitting at two thirty five. Twenty percent upside. Uh, man, I, I don't think that there's a bad time to buy Visa. Uh, I think it is just going to be continue to be a powerhouse of a name. 
Um, the, the low price target on the street is sitting at 240. That's about 2% up from where we're at. The high is 338. That's about 43% higher. Uh, I, I think this company is just a winner long term. And um, uh, I think all the other analysts out there agree with me as well. Uh, so the, the margins are strong. The, the consumer is still spending. They're still swiping these cards. And uh, I think Visa is going to continue to outperform in this market. So that is number three uh, on week 32 for ticker V for Visa. Uh, number four, let's roll right through these. Meta, man, we, we saw what happened to this stock uh, just this week. The, they had great earnings. We had that uh, that 11% growth in revenue. Their guide higher for quarter three was 15 to 24%. That is absolutely massive. This company continues to execute on uh, their ads, their monetization, the Reels product. They are looking to actually uh, get that to be a money driver going forward. Uh, the, the sentiment kind of changed from that uh, metaverse VR technology into uh, you know really focusing on their core business. And uh, I believe that this one is going to see some run higher. Uh, you know, I said that the the guide higher for Q3 was 15 to 24%. And oddly enough, the upside on this one right now is 15.5%. We're sitting at 325. The guide is to 375. And uh, there's even a high target of 435. So could we uh, certainly outperform some of these numbers? Yeah, I think we could. I, I think a lot of these numbers that are saying we could get down to 285, uh, I think these are going to be some older numbers from what I am seeing. No one really uh, currently seems to think that these numbers are going to go lower. Uh, within the, the past uh, week, um, I think the lowest was a 355, but still a buy target. And uh, I think there's a lot of momentum behind this name and really a, a lot of upside with this revenue uh, guiding 15 to 25, uh, 24% higher for Q3. So I am still bullish on Meta more than I was previous to earnings and uh, one that I think is going to continue to do well in this market. So that is number four. Number five, this has been one that I have been looking to add uh, for quite some time. It has been one of the tech names that uh, I was still paying attention to when some of the other ones did not make sense. That ticker is Google, G-O-O-G-L for Alphabet is the parent company. Man, I am still bullish on this one. I, I still think that it is uh, a solid uh, uh, PE sitting in the 27 times range. Uh, we're sitting at 132. We've got a good amount of upside. Uh, yeah, PE is 27.4. The analyst research on this one is saying about uh, 12 12.7% higher, sitting at a uh, price target of 149. I still think that Google is going to outperform. Uh, I don't think that their Google search business is going to be killed by AI. I think they're going to navigate these waters well, use their own AI, still uh, own a lot of that search ad revenue, uh, still have YouTube money, still have a lot of different things that are going well for this company. Uh, so I'm still bullish. They uh, outperformed on the quarter. Uh, I believe that they're going to continue to outperform. Uh, again, Meta and, and Google were, were both uh, in the doghouse last fall for the fact that eh, no one's going to be advertising, right? Advertising is going to slow. We're going to be in a recession. Uh, I think a lot of those fears were overblown. I think a lot of people are starting to see that. And these companies are going to continue to be powerhouses in their industries. 
So uh, that's the five that I got for you guys this week. Get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in for one of the five that I just mentioned. Next Era Energy, Palantir, Visa, Meta, or uh, Google, which are parent company Alphabet. Uh, so that's the five I got. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see your thoughts on these. If you got some stocks that you want to see compete head to head on uh, next week's episode or, you know, maybe further out in the future, uh, please go ahead and let me know the stocks that you are watching right now and the ones that really are on your short buy list uh, that, that you got to have in your portfolio right now. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to head out and we're going to uh, enjoy our Sunday here uh, in the summer. So that's, uh, that's a wrap for me and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.